When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Why would you choose one of the biggest matches of your career to dress up like somebody else? For me, we're already getting to dress up. <laughs> you know what I mean? Well, this is not what we were expecting. When will it, when will the disrespect end? Wow, QT. QT Marshall. Cut the music. It's supposed to be Wardlow's time. I didn't ask for my music to be played. This is the disrespect I'm talking about. From all you fans, to my coworkers, it all stems from you. Me? Because he stems from you, oh. Taz. Me. When I, hey, shut up. When I broke him in, I taught him respect. I taught him to give up his chair to the vets. Shake everybody's hand. Uh-oh. The hook of maniacs are letting their opinions know. I know you all want hook. I'm the one that made this. I made this, not you. <laughs> Each and every ounce of success the cold-hearted, handsome devil has is because of me. He's out of his mind. You better watch out. So, Hook, why don't you come out here right now and thank me like the man I thought I trained you to be. Before I go back out there, drag you down here by that hair of yours and stretch you in front of your daddy. Wow. QT Marshall, how are you doing? Good, how are you? Marshall. Hey, we're all good. Thank you. It's lovely to see you. Um, We are, this is going out just a few hours before AEW Dynamite. Now, I obviously we're here to talk about you, sir. But tonight is the Dynamite debut of Hook. And uh, as somebody, you know, who has been, you know, a friend, enemy, trainer, mentor throughout that process, what is some of the last few words that you're going to say, some last bit of advice you're going to give to Hook before he walks through the curtain on Dynamite? Uh, it doesn't matter what I try to say to him. He's going to have his headphones in. He's not going to listen anyway. So, uh, <laughs> but I would tell him, you know, it's the same as Rampage, you know, just, uh, you know, a lot more people watching maybe. <laughs> Other than that, you know. It's, it's just another day. So uh, I definitely wouldn't say anything to try to get him nervous, though. 
No, because as you say, it's it's just another day. I mean, when it, as a trainer like yourself, you've 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 worked with so many people that have come through the doors now through AEW Dynamite. Like, how do you sort of you you pivot what you do when you have an intangible like hook that comes along? Um, yeah, you know, just kind of go with the flow and see, you know, obviously what their strengths are, what their weaknesses are, if there are any. Um, and that's the good part about pro wrestling is you can kind of pick and choose what you, you know, what you want people to see. Um, you know, I can do a lot of stuff when it comes to flipping and flying and all that stuff. That doesn't mean I have to do it or, um, that I would need to do it. So, you know, that, like I said, that's the best part about what we do is we get to pick and choose and how to really highlight our strengths. And I think one of the things with hook, especially, um, is he's so different that, you know, I think highlighting the, the differences, he's not like everyone else that goes out there and has a match. And I think that really helps him. And there's also this still, there's this mystique to him, right? He still never even said a word. Um, and I think that goes a long way. And, you know, I think the fans are really interested and they stay invested that way. Absolutely. Uh, that, and I'm looking forward to seeing what he does uh, on a platform like tonight. But we are here to talk about you, sir, and specifically send you onto a metaphorical desert island. And whilst you're there, it's, it's, uh, it's, it's a case of while you're there, as well as enjoying the sunshine, we're going to give you three wrestling matches to watch. Matches that, for you, as a, as a fan, as a, a master of the craft, uh, love and appreciate uh, more than any others. And I know it's a difficult one to choose, you know, three matches across the entire pantheon of professional wrestling. But what would you like? We'll go through them one by one as we chat today. But what would you like your first one to be, Cutie? Um... Stone Cold Rock, WrestleMania 17. WrestleMania X7. That's it. That's, um, yeah. What is it about this one that makes you, because you said it so quick, and, and we all know the match. It's, it's, a, it's a phenomenal piece of business. Yeah. What is it about this one in particular that, that you love so much? Uh, one, it's long. So if I'm stuck on an island, I'll be able to, <laughs> you know, it takes up a lot of time. Uh, two, they, they told a, a great story. And I think in wrestling, especially as a fan, you, you don't remember – uh, the moves per se, or you remember certain moments, but also just in general, like how that match made you feel. And of course, growing up and I'm being a huge fan of the rock at the time and he just couldn't put him away, you know, and they really told that story of, of, um, you know, good versus evil and, and everything you, you know, everything he was trying to do just couldn't put him away. And then when he finally did, you were like, all right, you know, I can, I can, as a fan of the rock, I can accept that he lost, after that many chair shots, after, after, you know, he had you beat multiple times and all of these things. Um, so it's just one of my favorite matches of all time. And, and like I said, it just, you know, it gave you a lot of the emotions that you, you know, when you have that much time out there, I think you're able to tell, well, I mean, you're obviously able to tell a better story because you have that much time um, and you can hit all those different emotions. I mean, you know, I think there's, with the exception of maybe comedy, and if I really think about it, I'm sure there might be one spot in there that was funny uh, to at least somebody. And it might have been when Austin gave the referee the finger, right? Because he's, you know, he's he's telling him to break the hold, but it's a no disqualification match. And Austin just gives him the finger, which in hindsight, you look at it and The Rock just broke the hold right before that, you know? So here was this baby face Rock really following the rules. And then Stone Cold, who was always, you know, the, the heel baby face anyway, but this was really him showing, um, you know, more of that side. And then there's also just been so many podcasts and stuff about this match. Uh, I think Stone Cold on his podcast, he did one where it was a watch along. And you can hear from his perspective of the match. 
and the way he's thinking about everything. And it's just a great tool to learn. And, um, you know, so like I said, that's just one of my all-time favorites. I find myself watching that one a lot between the entrances, between the, obviously the hype video, right? The, uh, what we call VTR. Um, yeah, with my, you know. Um, my way or the highway. Yeah, my way. It was just, <laughs> you know, the interview, the sit-down interview with the, the two of them and Jim Ross. Like, it just, it really told the story. And it also just told you how important winning the world title is, um, which, you know, in our business, it, 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 that's what it's about, right? It's about wins and losses as much as, you know, some people are going to say it's not. Uh, it truly is and becoming the world champion and how important that was. And those two guys, you can tell that there's a, a true um, competitiveness. And, you know, obviously we know what we do, but at the same time, there is that competitiveness of one-upping one each other, whether it's in a promo or whether it's in a match and all of those little details. Uh, so, yeah, it's just one of my all-time favorites. Where were you when you watched it for the first time? I was at my house. I was at my house. Uh, by myself, you know, like a, like a true wrestling fan, <laughs> no friends, you, know? No, um, you know, I just remember because obviously it was a school night. I was still in school at the time I was 16. Right. So I was a, a junior maybe or a sophomore. And, uh, I just remember, you know, watching it and just being so stoked every time the rock kicked out, uh, and then so deflated when he finally lost. Cause I was like this, you know, but of course, you know, uh, the smarter fan in me kind of knew what was going on and this, that, and the other. So, um, yeah, I was home watching it. And I remember that was like one of the first times I kind of taught myself how to, uh, to bump almost <laughs> in my room. You know, I had a, a twin set of twin beds and my brother, he didn't live with us anymore, but I remember throwing the mattress on the ground and, and just watching the rock take the, um, the monitor to the head on the outside of the ring and just seeing the way he took it and bumped and the way he used his hand to catch the monitor, just all these things that, you know, I shouldn't have been paying attention to when I was 16, but I also knew that this is exactly what I wanted to do. So I had to learn the tricks of the trade myself. Did you bump along with The Rock during that match? Uh, so I didn't at the time, <laughs> but I did right afterwards because I did record it um, on VHS. So I would rewind it, I would go back and forth. And like I said, I really tried to learn all the tricks. And, you know, we joke about it now, but I do have a lot of characteristics of The Rock in the ring. And I think that's just subconscious now. Like, it's not something I try to do. It's just because, you know, I've just been watching for so long and, and studying. And, and, you know, so I have a little bit of everybody. But I think he's the one that really, you know, sticks out the most. I love the fact that somewhere on planet Earth, there is a VHS tape of QT Marshall taking a rock bump off a stunner. I, yeah, exactly. I'm so oh, happy to hear one. that. <laughs> that's my favorite one. You know? I, think that, I can still do it now. I wish... Uh, someone in AEW would hit me with a stunner so I could take it. But, Somebody uh, in AEW give Cutie Marshall a stunner. Please, we need this in our lives. We need it. You knew at this point then that wrestling was going to be what you did. Had wrestling not come along, what do you think you might have sort of leaned into doing? Do you know? Uh, so I was a really good baseball player. Um, and then baseball, so I say that I was really young at the time, but baseball went on strike when I was eight years old because of, you know, things I didn't have any clue about at the time. But then Macho Man had his commercial with the WWF saying how they don't go on strike and this, that, and the other. So I started to lean into wrestling a little bit, but I always played baseball. I played baseball all throughout high school, um, even into college. And then I decided that wasn't something I wanted to do anymore. But if you talk to my grandfather, who is still around, he will tell you that I wasted a lot of uh, baseball talent <laughs> and decided to become a professional wrestler. So thank God it paid off after all these years because if not 
you know, Christmas dinners, it's always a little awkward. So, well, because we we saw a bit of that um, because there was a, a documentary made about you called The Wrestler, uh, the the Cutie Marshall story, and it was your you working towards a, a, a tryout with WWE, and you can mm-hmm. see in that like the the love from the family, but there's a, an element of as you said with your granddad saying, "Oh, you could have been a baseball player." There's elements of your family going, "You've got to really, you know, crack on with this or just move on." Like there was there was a li- how how much of that was. Um, was the case in real life? Because I know sometimes documentaries can sort of blow these things out of proportion. How much of that pressure was there for you in real life? I wish I could say that it wasn't real. Uh, My mom hated, you know, my my pursuit of wrestling up until AEW kind of started. Um, Just because it never really paid off, right? And even the times that it was paying off for a wrestler, like Ring of Honor or, um, you know, getting opportunities with NXT or stuff like that, it doesn't translate to the bank account. So, you know, and that's obviously the way uh, a person like in our family growing up, not having a lot of money, you know, that's, that's kind of the way we define success is, you know, how much, how much money you make and, you know, at the end of the day. So uh, yeah, unfortunately that, that scene at the dinner table with my, my wife and who was my girlfriend at the time. And, you know, my mom, that was a hundred percent real. And they just double teamed me and just went at me. Uh, and it's funny because in this in the movie, she says, my wife says, you know, and then what, you're just going to wake up one day and tell us we're moving to Atlanta, which is exactly what we did about a year and a half later. Um, <laughs> I came home from work one day and I said, hey, we're going to move to Atlanta. I'm going to sell our house in Florida, which we were renting out at the time. I said, and I'm just going to open up a wrestling school. And she said, and what's that going to do? And I said, I have no idea. I said, but at least I'll be happy. And um, I'm going to train people the right way which I know there's a need for that. And then I'm going to do my best to get them opportunities because uh, that's the one thing that I never felt that I got, which I did get them, but I just felt like I could have gotten more opportunities with the connections of my coaches. Um, but that's not their job. But like, I thought if I brought that to a wrestling school, that would really help us out. And, um, and it did. And luckily, you know, being a very professional wrestling school, like having banners and a, a nice ring and, you know, it wasn't a hangout and stuff like that that led me to meet Cody and, you know, um, to train Brandy. And one thing led to another. And here we are today. So now we're the nightmare factory. <laughs> so it's pretty crazy how it all works out. It's it's where is it now in terms of <clears throat> obviously your family? Because I know you said that yeah, your granddad still talks about why aren't you a baseball player? <clears throat> but um in terms of like your your the rest of your family now seeing what you do, like, is there is there a sense of. Do, are they are they with you on board now? Do they get it now? Yeah, they do. And they see how happy I am. And, uh, you know, and not only just how happy I am, like no matter whether, you know, people believe I'm successful or not, like I said, in the bank account, I'm, I'm doing all right. So uh, but the idea that I I don't let it go to my head, I also, you know, I still take care of people as much as I can. And I'm just I never really changed. Um, and I think that's the biggest thing, the most important thing from, you know, on my side of the family, at least is that I've still be, I'm still the same exact person I was just, um, you know, I get paid more now. So that's kind of it, you know. Your second wrestling match, let's move on to that QT. So we had Rock Austin from WrestleMania X7. What would you like your second one to be, sir? Um, I would have to go with Chris Jericho versus Shawn Michaels WrestleMania, uh, WrestleMania 19. Now, now this one, again, like a, a blood feud like the Rock Austin one, but but in terms of a, of a match that is it's a very more technical side it's a very much more a technical excellent showcase isn't it 
Yeah, it's it's you know, and they had a good story going into it, right? Like it wasn't it wasn't just um, you know two guys just trying to win. Like they had the story. Chris Jericho was going to be the next Shawn Michaels, but he wanted to be the first Chris Jericho, and, and all of these things. And then they had their episode at the Royal Rumble that happened, and um, stuff to kind of lead up to the match. But it still wasn't like a, a blood feud, right? And um, you know, Shawn Michaels, besides The Rock, is another one of like my all time favorites. Um, he just you know, before the Attitude Era, he was the one because I was 11, 12, you know, 10, all those, you know, <laughs> that age where that's who I wanted to be. I mean, you know, I didn't know he was dressing up like a male stripper. You know what I mean? Like, I just thought he was cool. And, uh, you know, the girls liked him and the guys kind of wanted to be like him. So, you know, I just remember um, that match when he came back. Uh, I was super excited. Um, and another match, you know, not it's it's probably above. But I was trying – I'm trying to – like, I have a lot of favorites, obviously. And one of the ones I really love is him versus Triple H because uh, I was there a lot at that SummerSlam. But from a wrestling standpoint, as a fan, I really do enjoy the match with Chris Jericho because, again, as much as there's a feud involved, there was technical wrestling. Um, and then it elevated itself and it continued and continued and continued to to a fight, which I think a, a great wrestling match does. It starts off wrestling and then it, it escalates and escalates and escalates and then – you know, the bad guy gets on the good guy and the good guy makes a comeback. And, you know, also this one had very back and forth. You didn't know what was going to happen. You also, as a fan, you didn't know, and smart fan or not, you didn't know who was going to win. You kind of like, hey, you know, I could see Chris Jericho winning here because Shawn Michaels doesn't need to win. But also like, man, you know, Shawn Michaels coming back, first WrestleMania back, like he should win, right? And then you know, just going back and forth and, and that show, the whole show overall was really good that year. Um, but I, I, like I said, I can, I can call a lot of that match right now. Uh, <laughs> and a lot of it is because I've stolen so many spots from there, you know, because it's just, they're basic things that you don't think about. Um, you know, when you, when you're putting a match together and you call an opening sequence and, you know, I know what I steal from, but no one else does. You know what I mean? And I think that's some of the greatest, you know, anyone that says we're going to just reinvent the whole entire wheel when we're out there, you're, you're just, it doesn't make sense to do that. It, you can take a spot and add to it and make it a little more exciting or stuff like that. But I'm a, I'm a firm believer. Like I just watched the bully Ray, um, Steve Austin on, on the peacock, right. On the broken skull. And I was trained by bully. So like, I agree with him a hundred percent when he says, you know, if you do it the right way, you don't have to do a hundred thousand things. It is what it is. And the guys that are making all the money uh, for the most part, they don't do a hundred thousand things. They, they just do the ones that mean a lot to each, each fan in the arena. Um, so it's the hardest part is just connecting with that audience. That's the hard part. So, and Shawn Michaels and Chris Jericho, they were able to do that. What's um, can you let us in on a little something that QT Marshall stole from that match? A little, a little flicker, a little so note as a, when I'm a baby face, uh, which I, I don't like to be a baby face, but mm-hmm. when I was, I love the opening spot where they do the tackle drop down leapfrog, go back to the leapfrog and, and Jericho slaps him in the face. And I like it because, you know, as a, as a good baby face, when you get slapped, you got to slap him right back or punch him. Right. You can't. And if you take too much time in between um, the fans, they disconnect from you because if you're rooting for somebody and they get smacked in the face and then they don't fire right back, you know, you're like, ah, oh, 
screw this guy. Like this guy just let someone smack him in the face, you know, and, and, and in the wrestling school, we go over this all the time. Like if you slap me, you're getting slapped right back. I don't care. Like, so let me know you're going to do it because if not, you know, I'm going to hit you twice as hard because I have to, as a, as a man, uh, as somebody that is standing up for the, themselves and what they believe in, I have to hit you back. You're not giving me a choice. So, um, yeah, that's one of my favorites. And then, you know, Jericho charges at me, throws him right over the top rope. And, you know, uh, so I've, I've done that spot before, you know, um, one of the moves that I like to do is the, the jumping back elbow off the top rope. Um, I've done that in AEW before. Uh, it's just one of my, you know, go-tos that looks cool. It makes me look athletic. Uh, so, yeah, I don't do the nip up, the double nip up spot because, uh, <laughs> you know, that's hit or miss for me, you know, and every now and then I could do it. And then every now and then I go to do it. And then I'm like, you know what? I'm just going to get up the regular way. You know? It's like tossing a coin. You go, you know what? I could just not toss a coin and just get right. up normally. And I know there's 100% chance of me getting up properly normally. Exactly, exactly. It's a funny one with a slap, isn't it? Because there is like, you, you can do a, a series of massive moves to somebody, but there is something that really gets to the soul of an audience when it's a slap. Like we saw it with Will Smith and Chris Rock, for goodness sake. But there's something about even in wrestling when there is a slap. You know, as, a, as, a, as somebody yourself that is, that's been training people for, for so many years now, what is it about like a slap that can sometimes, you know, generate a bit much bigger reaction than a, than a punch or a, or a well, move? So a lot of it is, um, well, one, you know, as a fan, you don't know what it's like to get Canadian destroyed, mm. right? You just don't. You can see it. You maybe understand landing on the top of your head. Um, but then sometimes you think like, man, if that really happened, someone would die, you know? Uh, or you hear Stone Cold, he landed on his head. He couldn't walk. So when you see it, sometimes you lose the audience. A smack to the face, everyone can relate to. They've seen it. Also, there's just a an amount of disrespect when you mm. slap someone across the face, <clears throat> you know, there's, again, I don't believe. So there's three things that I hate in professional wrestling. If you don't tell me beforehand, one is slapping me in the face. The other is spitting on me. Um, and the third, <clears throat> which is a weird one for me, but it's just because I have this scar. So I had neck surgery is when I'm like, on the uh, if I'm on all fours and you put your foot on the back of my head and you push me really hard on my neck, those are things that are going to make me fire up and get up and punch you as hard as I can or slap you or whatever. Um, so when we go over these things in the, in the school, I always say like, Hey, create a moment out of these. Don't just slap someone in the face or spit on them because you think, you know, it's going to get you heat, you know, do it, but create a moment that everyone will remember. And I think that when Sean and, and Jericho did that, you know, he went for the second leapfrog, he slapped him, Sean spit the gum in the air, you know, and then he kind of, and Jericho does his thing, but then he turns around, boom, he gets punched right in the face. He, it, it was a moment. And um, that's what, you know, that's what pro wrestling is. It's just moments. A lot can happen in three years, like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at UH1.com. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. 
To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weightloss. That's plushcare.com slash weightloss. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. You trained at the Monster Factory, and you now run the Nightmare Factory. Um, yeah. what's changed in sort of the the art of training wrestlers since when you were when you were coming up through that system and to the system that you run now what's what's, the, what's some of the primary things that have changed so well one it's a lot harder to get uh the bigger type of people to come into wrestling now um and and Cody taught me this it's it's the culture's changed, right? It's it's more nerd culture that's kind of taken over professional wrestling. Like the other day at, at TV, uh, Nyla Rose was dressed up, and I said, "What like what is that paint?" And she said, "Oh, I'm Venom." And I remember joking with her about it, like, "Why would you choose one of the biggest matches of your career to dress up like somebody else?" You know. And then I realized, like, well, you know, okay, there's action figures out of it. There's there's other reasons. I would never do it because I was never. One, I don't, I'm not into that kind of stuff anyway, but also like, you know, for me, we're already getting to dress up, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, so why wouldn't I want to dress up like the character that I want to be and be portrayed as? Um, so there's, there's that. I remember when I first started, we were taught, you know, Hey, pick five of your, your favorite wrestlers, you know, and then take a little bit from each of them. And that's kind of how you can shape into who you're going to be. Um, personality wise, move wise, all this stuff. And nowadays, everyone I ask like, Hey, what's your character in your mind? What are you thinking? It's always some kind of anime or, uh, you know, some, uh, DC or Marvel character. And, and so I'm like, I have no clue what you're talking about. Like, you know, can you explain it more in detail? Um, also like you are really, really, really hitting such a small market. And I, I shouldn't say that because, the market of comics is obviously humongous, right? Mm. But at the same time, you're still hitting the same fan base that we already have. And I'm a firm believer in trying to get more eyes on wrestling. And I think the best way to do that is to, you know, as much as no one's going to like me saying it now, you know, is to kind of go towards like the, the casual fan that every, you know, the, the everyday person that when they see it, they can understand. So when I wrestle or when I teach, I really do try to ask people, that aren't in wrestling, you know, like, Hey, what do you hate about professional wrestling? And then they'll tell me. And then I think like, okay, then I'm never going to do that. Right. Or like, uh, I know everyone jokes about like the Vince isms. Right. But someone had mentioned like Pat Buck just came to um, AEW and we were talking about when he was in WWE, some of the Vince isms and, you know, I'm sorry, Pat. But one of the things he said was like, Vince doesn't like when you grab someone and you just chuck them back in the ring and they roll in 30 times. Like, and, and I thought about it. I said, you know what? Kind of makes sense, right? Like you've seen it for so many years. So you, it's kind of just something, you know, but it does make sense. If you get thrown in, you wouldn't roll all the way to the other side or, you know, you would probably just 
pick the guy up and put him on the apron and then you get in and you yank him into the middle of the ring. It's more realistic. It makes it look, you know, um, and I thought about it. I said, you know, as weird as that is to really harp on on your TV show out of all the things you can harp on, you know, I, I thought, OK, well, maybe when I'm out there, I'm not going to let someone do that to me. I'm going to either get myself back in the ring or I'm going to take something on the outside of the ring that's so rough that they're going to have to pick me up on their back and place me onto the ring and kind of push me in. And I thought it would add a little more realism and I could be completely wrong, but at the same time, like I really do try to think about those things because if my mom doesn't like it because it insults her intelligence or something like that, um, you know, that's the one thing, like I said, we've all watched magic shows before. If the magic is really bad, it's just insulting to you. Like, come on, I can literally see, you know, the coin sitting in your hand. I see it. So now you're trying to pretend like it just appears. So the guys that do really good magic, I think, wow, that guy was really good. I'll literally just pay you to do more. So, um, you know, that's kind of my mentality. It's not the greatest. It's a very old school mentality. But at the end of the day, you know, like I said, when I'm out there, I really go try to go above and beyond to not insult anybody. But that's great to have somebody like like Pat now in the system who has been on the other side and, and can, as you say, introduce some of those Vincisms that makes you think yeah. a little bit differently yeah. that you may have done before. Sure, 100%. And I think that's, you know, that's the way uh, it goes around. You know what I mean? Like everyone has to share the knowledge that they've learned over the course because, again, no one's going to reinvent the wheel. So it's the way we all learn. Mm. Now, um, we, when we talk about about the Nightmare Factory, there was somebody that you know is very you're very close with uh, overtures with the Nightmare Factory. They've since gone to another promotion, and uh, I'd like to get your thoughts on how was Carl Fredericks in New Japan Strong? Did you have a lovely time wrestling him the other week? <laughs> I did. You know, we did. Uh, that was really fun for me. That was my first time in. A new I know Japan. that was something that you've always wanted to do. Yeah, and so for it's double sided. Uh, one, because it's a it's a great goal, right? Like, hey, I'd love to wrestle at New Japan. The flip side that nobody knows is because I was told I would never wrestle for New Japan by somebody. Um, so when I hear that, of course, you know, I'm the type of person that if you tell me I can't, I can't do it, I'm going to do it. It might take forever, but I'm going to do it. You know what I mean? And uh, so, so it was kind of a, you know, like a double bonus for me to be out there. And then to win in our first match on pay-per-view, you know, it was, it was really exciting. Carl, Carl's a great guy. Um, you know, he's super talented. Uh, that whole, that whole crew is, um, obviously that LA dojo system, they know what they're doing. Um, it's still not as good as, you know, the factory or anything like that, but you know, they do know what they're doing. They do create, you know, um, some great, some great, you know, athletes. I, I really do enjoy the, the structure of their training system, right? Like, you can't get away with that unless it's Japanese training, you know, even in America, like they can get away with it. But if I tried it at our, at our facility, I mean, someone would probably just go right on Twitter and say that, you know, uh, I'm too hard on them because I'm making them do squats, you know? Um, but I, I think it really does build, you know, tough, tough athletes. And I think watching that show, that was my first new Jap like full on new Japan show that wasn't a TV taping that I got to see. And I remember thinking like, man, these guys, these guys go, uh, you know, and it's a very different style, but I'm excited to see what happens. And, you know, we're, we're obviously still going to be there. So I'm excited to see what's next. Uh, yeah. So is there going to be more new Japan stuff in your future? Yeah. Yeah. I think so. Uh, I, I've talked to Rocky about some stuff and, 
I know um, the last, the next TV taping that it's, it's already happened actually is um, Solo and Camarado versus Fredericks and uh, Clark Connors. And then at the end of that, it'll lead to something with me and Carl. So I'm pretty excited for it. Amazing. Uh, when it comes to the Nightmare Factory, we've seen Satnam Singh make his debut recently. Lots has been said about that, and but you, you know, as you've said in other interviews and other places, like, you know, this is a uh, you know, it's his, it's his first time on screen, and it's uh, yeah, well, going to make about, an impact. After, and... I was going to say, how about after uh, Battle of the Belts? Now everyone loves him. Exactly. Oh, I was going to say, like, how that this all of a sudden so changes. Good. Yeah, come on, guys. Like I said, give them a chance. You know what I mean. This is what um, you compete with now, as a as a within what you do is that sure. people will bite on something for the first time, and then they'll go, "Well, this is the worst thing ever. Right. Get away!" Right. Without letting stuff breathe, that must be a constant frustration. Oh, of course. But like I said, I mean, and I say this in all the interviews: stop reading it. <laughs> you know, just don't read it. It is what it is because you have to listen to the audience the real audience that's in the arena. Um, there's a match that'll air pro hopefully next week with Penta and I uh, from that night. And I mean, you can say what you want about me. You can say what you want about Penta. But when you hear the live audience, I mean, we're out there just having a blast, you know, until he kicks me in the face. But <laughs> you know, the, the, the audience is having a blast. They're having so much fun. And that's what it's about. It's not about uh, what someone's going to write on Twitter. I'm sure people are going to get mad that, you know, the match was more than four minutes with Penta and I. But you know who wasn't mad? The audience. The audience was having the time of their lives. And that's what we do. The only other person that I, f I feel like we should mention when it comes to the Nightmare Factory is Cody. Uh, sure. And uh, obviously he's he's away and he's doing his thing now. Of course. We talk every day. Yeah. Every day. I know what's, you know, uh, he doesn't go into full detail about what's going to happen, you know, when he's about to go out there. But, you know, obviously we, we still communicate. I mean, he's the closest thing I have to a best friend, I guess, uh, you know, he's somebody that really went above and beyond to, to open a door for me. Um, and he'll be the first to tell you it's, it's, he opened the door. Uh, I did all the work, but uh, you did. Sometimes you do need someone to open that door for you. Um, and he was willing to do it. And at the same time, I was willing to work really hard and also knowing that his name and reputation was, was kind of stamped onto my back was that, you know, it made me work even harder because at the end of the day, like, and I say this all the time, I thought he would go back to WWE before AEW had become a thing. I was like, oh, I'm going to train Brandy. I'll work out with Cody for all in, all this stuff. But eventually he's going to go back to WWE because there was no AEW. So I was like, you know, and I'm okay with that. Like, I'm not going to go to WWE. <laughs> They've already told me no. So I'll just be his friend and that's it, you know, and we'll hang out and, you know, we only live 30 minutes from each other. And I was super excited just to have uh a peer in the wrestling industry that kind of looked at me as a peer. And, you know, when AEW started, I remember he asked me, like, Hey, do you want to be my assistant? And I was like, no, I want to wrestle, but sure. <laughs> you know, of course I'll do whatever you ask me to do. Um, you know, so, so yeah, we still speak all the time. I'm super happy for him. Uh, I think this is something he really needed to do for himself personally. Yeah. And, and honestly, like we've all been there. We've all had those, those, no pun intended, crossroads in our in our careers where, you know, we, we have to decide what's better for us personally. Um, and that sounds selfish. But at the end of the day, like. You can only make other people happy if you're happy, if you're not happy, you'll never be able to make anyone else happy because you're still always striving for that happiness. Uh, and there's not enough of it to go around if you're not happy. So I do 
you know, it sucks going to work every week without them there, right? Like that is the bad part. But the good is, I mean, man, watching Raw last night, uh, you know, I DVR'd it and I flipped it on and I got to see, you know, his segments. And I think like, man, this is exactly probably what he wanted. You know, this is why he left in the first place. He wanted to come back treated like this. Um, and they did, you know, and they, they've they've given him, I'm sure, everything he's wanted or else, you know, I can't see him leaving, um, you know. But at the same time, like I said, you know, he had to do what he has to do. And I hope the best for him. I hope he wins the world title, you know, because that would be the greatest story of, of all. Um, you know, I, I think he's a true baby face when you think of it in that sense, right? Like, you know, the big heat on him was him leaving WWE. That was the heat. And this is a comeback for him. And we're all here witnessing it, um, you know, and the Bucks went through the same thing back in the day. And then this is their comeback. So it's a lot of good feel good stories in professional wrestling. If you really pay attention to what's going on um, and you just get away from all the negativity. So let's end on some positive from yourself. So your third and final match, we had Shawn Michaels and uh, Chris Jericho from WrestleMania 19, Rock and Austin from WrestleMania 17. What would you like your final one to be? <sighs> okay, so. Cody versus Dustin. Nice. Good show. Right. So it's like we planned it. It's like we planned it. (laughs) Yeah. Well, and and here's why. I mean, you know, we're talking about this as a fan. Mm -hmm. So as a fan, I didn't get to watch it live because I I was on the headset and I was on the headset calling the, you know, the stuff to the truck. And this is AEW's first pay-per-view, their first show. And, you know, I am in charge of, of making sure that the truck gets all of these shots and this, that, and the other. And I just remember the audience reaction to everything they did. And it was the story, right? It had nothing to do with how many moves they did. If they, they messed up any move, I couldn't tell you because all I remember is the, the audience reaction. Uh, it does help that I believe Dave gave it five stars and I was uh, the coach for that. So, you know, my first one ever, five stars. No, had nothing to do with me. But um, I did help. I think I you were part of it. Ideas. I think you were part of it. If it's a five yeah, I mean, star, I did have really. a couple. I, I did have a couple ideas that you know that got put into the match. So I'll take a little bit. You know, I'll take one percent of the credit. There you go. Um, but uh, yeah, I think for me that was you know going back and then watching it as a fan, I really got to see why the audience reacted in the way they did and the build up and just everything that that went to it. It was it was you know. Um, just pro wrestling at its best, uh, you know, and now knowing Dustin the way I know him and, and obviously Cody the way I know him, it just really was a super fun match. They had a little bit of everything in there, um, which, again, going back to Rock versus Austin, you know, hitting all of those emotions is really what makes a great professional wrestling match. So, um, yeah, that was, you know, that, that was a new one, right? That's a new one compared to, the other ones, because like I said, I can go on for days and days and days of which matches I watch over and over and over. And I think that's how when when I, you know, thought about the, these these answers, I really tried to think, OK, what matches do I find myself watching, all, you know, over and over? Um, and, you know, those are three of them. And it's been a joy to talk with you about them all. Where can people go to find out about the Nightmare Factory and everything else that you've got going on, QT? Um, so we have uh, Nightmare Factory on, on Twitter, Instagram. Um, 
I believe it's like nightmarefactorytraining.com. I don't know. I'm not really good at this stuff. Uh, <laughs> It'll you know, be in the description we'll, down there if anybody wants Yeah, we'll wants figure it, it out. Um, <laughs> you really need to know, you can just email me at qtmarshall at gmail.com. It's very easy. Um, I always tell everyone, I give that email out, and I say, if you can't remember that email, you probably aren't going to last in the in the wrestling school anyway. Um, but, uh, yeah, I mean, we're, we have a new camp starting June 6th. And there's been some confusion of what's going on with the facility. Uh, Cody and I are both there still, um, you know, and both companies are okay with it. Like we're just training wrestlers, you know, there's, there's no direct pipeline to WWE. There's no direct pipeline to AEW. If you are somebody that is worth giving a chance to, of course, you know, we're not in the business of hiding good professional wrestlers either, but um, we just want people, these are beginner courses or 12 weeks, you know, and then once you're, once you're out there, in the, the 12 weeks are up. We just ask that you go wrestle, go have fun, go meet people. But Cody's really good about promos and etiquette and um, the business of wrestling. And I'm more of the fundamental of the, um, you know, of the in-ring work. Um, and then we just have a great time. It's, it's really fun. And we've had a lot of success with all the, you know, the students. This is camp number six, I believe, or seven. So, yeah, it's, there's been a lot. So every 12 weeks, we're on, we're on the grind. We did take a, a month and a half off. Uh, and everyone thought it was contract related with Cody. It wasn't. I'm just tired. I just needed <laughs> You needed a little break. Yeah, I just needed like a month and a half to kind of just with all the New Japan stuff and AEW stuff. I just needed a break for, a, you know, a month and a half. So uh, but we're back at it June 6th. So super excited to see what kind of talent comes in and, and what kind of talent we could produce. And if not, there's always baseball. If not, there's always <laughs> baseball, you know, the Yankees uh, need some good players. So. Exactly. <laughs> Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. For all the wrestling headlines in just 10 minutes, search Cultaholic Wrestling News on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts from. <laughs> 